Hey, good morning, Church Online. I am so glad today that you decided to join us at our Church Online campus. And Lord, we, we just really believe in this online campus. And I know that there are many of you that you can't be here. Maybe you're from out of town or maybe you're not a person who can uh, leave your house a lot or something of that nature. And that's why we're so thankful, so grateful for the ability to do this online. And I just want to say we are just so glad you're part of our church family and, and we want to encourage you. And I'm excited about this new series that we're starting right now. We're calling it My House. And it's from the scripture that we're going to read in just a moment, as what Joshua said, as for me and my house. You know, we really believe in a family. We have a value here at Summit Church called family, inspiring hope for family in today's culture. There's a lot of things that are affecting family, but we believe God has instituted family, that God intends to use family, and God intends for your family to thrive and to have a great family dynamic and a great family experience and that God's will and purpose and plan can be done through your family. And, and we believe that can happen. It doesn't mean things are perfect. It doesn't mean nothing goes wrong, but that's why we learn, right? That's why we study the Word. That's why we seek the face of God. So I want us to just join. And, I, and you know what? We want our church online campus to grow. And one of the ways that you can help the Church Online campus to grow is share it with other people. You know, go on your device right now and just share this service. And just you might just go up and put a heading, Welcome to Church, and share it. And more people will be exposed to it and maybe get connected with us and we can minister to their life because that's really what we're all about. So we're going to start our series today. And today I want to talk to you around the subject. And this is the first installment in this series. But I want to talk to you around the subject, when your house becomes a home. When your house becomes a home. So we're going to take our text, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And I'm reading out of the uh, ESV version. And so everyone read it with me. You'll see it on the screen there. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites on whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will absolutely um, take this word and put it down deep in our hearts. That, Father, we, we find ourselves making this declaration ourselves. That no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what kind of deconstructive efforts are in our culture today to break the family apart, we just make this declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will follow Christ. And so, Father, we just make that declaration today. We stand by that in the name of Jesus. We ask you to put this word in our heart. Let it let it bring forth fruit in our life, God, that it makes a difference not only in our family, but in the families that we influence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, God is so good. I tell you what, uh, family is an interesting thing. I, I know that you find your family interesting, and I know everybody's got, you know, different kinds of family members. And the thing that's awesome about family is there's this similarity but there's also a lot of differences and you got all kinds of different personalities and all, you know, everybody's got a crazy uncle and everybody's got a, you know, a, a really great 
uh, uh, grandparent and, you know, they're, they're just people you love and people you just kind of get used to. And, you know, family is just so awesome because usually how it works is no matter how weird we can be, we love each other when we're family. And, you know, a lot of times you, 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 you may you may say something that's not just right about your family when you get aggravated or irritated, but if somebody else outside the family wants to talk, well, no, hold on a minute now, that's my family. You know, family just has this effect on us, this, this connection. And I just want you to know it's supposed to. You know, family's important. And we're going to talk more about this as the series goes along. And we're going to talk about this especially in the conference in a practical way. But I want you to hear this and I want you to understand it. I think for a long time we've had things mixed up. But if you look at the Bible and you, and you, and you see how the Bible works, um, when Jesus or when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he instituted family right then and there. And the family, everything flowed out from that family that flowed out from God. And it's important as we look down through the Old Testament that God is a generational God, that his intentions are that his voice will always be on this planet. And he uses men to do that. He uses family to do that. He uses people to do that. So the vehicle through which his words and his Bible and his thinking is going to come generationally into the world is it was it's intentionally done, supposed to be through the family. Now, as we've gone through history and we've come to modern times, we, we literally have had so many things in our current world, current structure, current culture that have been almost antithetical to family to the degree that the family has begun to break down. And as it's broken down, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. Family is the foundation of society. It is. We know it is. Sociologists will tell you this. Psychologists will tell you this. Any of them that are worth their salt will. And, and the truth is, when we see some of the degradation that has happened in our culture and in our society, we can literally draw a line right back to the, when the family started falling apart. We know statistically, now I'm not talking about Christian statistics. I'm not talking about from Christianity Today or some magazine. I'm talking about statistics that are secular in nature will tell you that when the family is broken apart, and especially when there's an absence of a father, there is, that's when all the negative numbers go up. But when the family is together, when there is purpose in the family, all those negative numbers go down and the positive numbers start going up. And by numbers, I mean things like, you know, delinquency or cr crime or violence or jail time or all of these things. When, when the family's broken down, those numbers rise. When the family's not broken down, those numbers drop. And it's interesting to me that we don't get it. <laughs> it's so interesting to me that we're not putting two and two together. And so what I want to tell you today is we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about all the negatives. I'm telling you today that you can have the family that God has purposed for you to have. You can have a family that thrives in the purpose and plan and will of God. That literally, a family that seeks the face of God, a family that wants what God wants, a family that, that, that has 
uh, uh, prosperous times and and loves each other. And no, I didn't say anything about perfection and I didn't say anything about no problems. Obviously, when people are involved, there are going to be some issues, but we can still have families that thrive. A lot of us have this mentality of I'm just trying to get through. I just I just hope I hope. I see a lot of Christian families, especially this way. I hope that I can raise these kids and, and we can raise them. And, and when they graduate and when they finally leave the house, that I'll still be married to my spouse and we'll still love each other. That's a, that's a survival mentality. God doesn't want that first. He wants a thriving mentality. So that's what this series is going to be about. And I hope that you can literally grab that. I hope that you can... Get a hold of that and begin to shift your mind to start thinking who God's made you to be and who God's purpose your family to be and that you are a part of that generational process. It, it probably surprised you when I said that the family is the vehicle through which God wants to disseminate his word generationally because you might say to yourself, well, that's the church's job, isn't it? Well, no, because before the church even existed, before it was even instituted by God, by Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, where he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Before that was instituted, hundreds and thousands of years before the word was produced in and through families from fathers to sons. This is why every time you read in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, uh, uh, because you're reading about the Jewish family. That's the basis, that's the core for the Bible. And they always say the, the, God is, who is God? He's the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, he's saying, I'm the fa- I'm the, I am the God of the father, the son, and the grandson. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I am a generational God, and I anticipate, and I expect that you're going to take my promises You're going to take our covenant and you're not going to keep it one generation. You're going to pass it down to your children. The Bible goes as far as to tell them in the Old Testament that they should write things on their hands and put them on parchment on their hands and on their head and make sure their kids are memorizing scripture so that when they face the pressures of this world and the nature of this world, that they will rise up in the nature of God because they understand his word. So then what is the church's role? The church's role is to gather those families and and create community, a spiritual community that edifies and equips and empowers those families to continue to disseminate the word of God and the gospel of God and the purpose of God. Your kids, your kids in your life, your grandkids in your life should be receiving more of the purpose that God has from them from you than they are from their youth pastor. Youth pastor is to come alongside and support and and partner with you as a family member. Your church, me as a pastor, your church is to come alongside and partner with you to build that foundation that you're already building, to strengthen that foundation that you're already uh, building into your family for the purpose and plan of God. I think we've kind of gotten sleepy on that and we bring ourselves to the church and say, church, do this. And we, we need to understand that's not the church's role. The church's em- role is to empower you to continue to do and build what God has called you to do and build. And you know what's beautiful about the church is that the church is a family. You know, the Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 1, there's three operative words that he speaks. He says that we are chosen, we are adopted, and we are accepted. Now, when God comes after us, the Holy Spirit convicts us and wants to save us, then we, here's what we realize. We realize that 
He's choosing us. You know, you, you think and I think a lot of times that we chose God. But the truth is we only chose him after he chose us. He came after us by the Holy Spirit and said, I love you and I want you in my family as he does for all people. The Bible said God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But he chooses us. And when we choose him back and say, I want you in my life, I want to surrender to you, then he adopts us. He, he doesn't just want to meet us. He doesn't want to just know us in a cursory way. No, he wants us to be in the family. And he didn't just say, hey, it would be good if you stayed in the house. No, he said, I want to adopt you. I want to make it legal. That was the whole point of Jesus going to the cross and paying the penalty for your sins so that you could be accepted by the Father and be in that father-child relationship with him. And then he goes on to say one more word. He said, chosen, adopted, and then he said, accepted in the beloved. Well, who are the beloved? The beloved is the church. The beloved is the family of God. See, even in when we think of the church, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit uses familial terms. In other words, he uses family talk. When he even talks about the church, he uses mom, dad. He says, when you pray, pray our father. Everything is centered around this idea and concept and philosophy of family because that is the way God operates and the way he functions. And you know what? If we can just get a hold of this, I'm telling you, it can change our world. Some of us are so distressed about our kids and some of us are so distressed about, our, about what's going on in the world and its influence in our children's lives and, and in our own lives. And, and, we're, and we're overwhelmed by the inundation of information and all this stuff. But the truth is, I think sometimes we think it's going to take this huge swell of something to happen. No, no, no. It's just going to take us making some really small decisions to say, all right, God, if that's my job, if that's the job of the family is to help people grow spiritually, to help generationally pass down the promises and gifts of God, well, then I'm going to make some changes and I'm going to start operating and function like that. And you know what will happen when we do that? We'll see major sweeping changes in the, our own lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives of our grandchildren, in the lives of our community, in the lives of our society. I love family. I mean, I absolutely love it. I, I have a great family. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. And I'm not just talking about my immediate family, but my, I've been blessed. You know, generationally, you may not know this, but I'm a third generation pastor. My daughter, Sydney, who has joined the ministry and, and, and Connor, they are, they are fifth or fourth generation, you know, fourth generation ministry. I mean, that's a big deal. I'm, I'm blessed by that. Some people would say, well, you know, I've heard people say, I don't ever going to be a preacher. And I said that too. My dad, when I grew up and everybody said, you're going to be a pastor. I said, I'm never doing it because I just saw stuff that a kid probably shouldn't have even known about. And I was heard things and it was just, I, I just said it was too hard. I, I don't want to do that. But God called me, and when he called me, I realized how, what a privilege it is to not just be a pastor, but to have this longevity of God's promise and God's call on my family. I'm thankful for that. I don't begrudge it at all. I'm thankful. Wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my praying grandmother and praying grandfather. Wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my praying parents. And I wouldn't be here today if it hadn't been for God like they say, who was on my side because there was a call on my life, 
as a result of what he wanted to use my family for. And now God has given me such a blessed family and we have so much fun. And, 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 you know, that's what I love about Summit Church and the families of Summit Church. We have so much fun. You guys love to love on your families, and I love that about Summit Church. You know, family can be funny. I, I, we were just talking, uh, me and, and some of the team, and we were just talking about family and how funny it is and different stories. And I want to try to give you some of those stories as we go along in this because family is just funny. I remember one time Janae was sitting in a room. I was off in Africa and, and I think Taylor was with me on that trip and Sydney and Janae were at home by themselves and Janae was in the other room and she was just doing whatever she was doing and Sydney was watching TV in the, in the, in the uh, I guess the, the, the living room and she was eating grapes. Well, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Janae said that Sydney come running in the room and was mad and ticked off because, you, where were you? You're not there for me. I was choking to death. And evidently, Sydney, in the other room, had gotten a grape. It was eating grapes, and they were big, and they got stuck. And I was informed, by the way, by my wife, that this is the number one choking hazard for children is those little tomatoes and little grapes. And so if you've got little kids... Cut them up. Anyway, so she came in there. She got that stuck. She had, she had, and she was telling me graphically, I had to stick my own finger down and grow. And she was like, where are you at, mom? As if mom's supposed to just follow you around. If anything happens to you, she can rescue you. I don't know about you, but that's kind of how my mom's been for me as well. Um, we, we were talking about this, and, and, and Connor was telling me about, um, he was telling me about something that was happening just currently that they were, putting uh, Taylor's classroom together. She's a teacher at Reeves Hinger uh, School, elementary school, and they were putting her classroom together, and Lindley was along with them, my little four-year-old granddaughter. And then, and then uh, Connor said, well, I want to I change some things around in my office for some production purposes, and so let's go over there and do that. And while they were about to do that, uh, Lindley decides, hey, Dad, before we do that, let's have a dance break. And this is what happened. I promise you there were no grandchildren hurt in the making of this video. <laughs> it, this kid is so much funny and she I mean every day she makes me crack up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you it reminds me of when my daughters were four or five because they just grow up to that height where their head is just at the level of every bar that's in the house and every countertop and they always had bruises. I thought Man, somebody's going to think I'm beating my children because they're running around with bruises on their head. It's just so funny. Uh, I, I just think that family is, is, is it's so important for us to learn to laugh together. It's so important for us to celebrate wins together. It's so important for us to love on each other. I, I think we need to make a declaration that this, the, anything that divides our family up, we're going to start questioning it. Like, you know, I just know that there's a lot of us that all of us probably have moments where we're all at dinner and we're looking at our phones. Some of us doing work on our phones. Some of us looking at social media. Some of us chatting with people that aren't there. And I find it so uh, uh, interesting that we'll come home and we'll say and we'll think even our minds and justify and rationalize and say, hey, you know, we're all together at the house. It was great to just all be together at the house, but really we weren't together. One was in this room. One was in another room on their phone. One was watching TV over here. One was doing this over there. 
I really believe that we need to start asking ourselves, hey, how can I bring more harmony and unity in my family? How can we enjoy each other? Not just what each other does. A lot of times we're enjoying watching each other, observing each other do things, watch, you know, running around with our kids and seeing them do their activities and supporting that. But are we really enjoying time together? Like having good conversation and asking good questions and developing identity as a family. So important. You know, family is extremely important. And, and, and it's meant to thrive, not just survive. God has a plan for your family. He doesn't just have a plan for family. He has a plan for your family. I mean, do you realize that? Do you know that? He has a purpose for your family, not just for you as an individual, but for your family, how your family is supposed to go. This is why Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Another way of saying that is this. As it is planned in heaven, so let it be manifest on this earth. In other words, God, what you have planned for me, what you have planned for my family, what you have planned for my church, what you have planned for my career, manifest it in my life. God has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. You know, there's a lot of obstacles. I'm not going to lie about it. There's tons of obstacles, especially against family. I don't want to be one of those guys that gets up and constantly talks about how bad everything is and how horrible everything is. Because you know what? There are some horrible things out there, but there's a lot of great. You know what we need to remember? We need to remember that the Bible says where sin does abound, grace much more abounds. So however dark it is, the light of Jesus Christ is much brighter in every situation. If, you'll, if we'll just shine it, if we'll just be looking for it, if we'll just illuminate ourselves. You know, where, where sin is pulling things down, grace is lifting things up. We need to stop looking at the negative and start looking at the positive. Our culture today, we do have some challenges. I mean, we do. And, and there is an attempt to take the family apart. You know, there are ideological obstacles that we're facing. People have just changed how they believe, and their ideology now is that family's not important. It's not important to be married. It's not important uh, that, that, that the family structure or the family dynamic be good. Let's just break that and do something else. Uh, there's a lot of quitting going on, a lot of running from commitment and responsibility. All the, there's perverse thinking that has tried to redefine what the family is and what the family looks like. There's a minimization of the importance of family. It's not, you know, there's a lot of people out there just don't think it's as important as we have, have experienced in the past. You know, there's a redefining of family. These are things that we're fighting against. There's even organizations out there who have made it their goal to tear down the family. It's even in their mission statement. We want to tear down the nuclear family because we want people to accept all these different things. But no, what no one's talking about is in our process of getting there, they're not talking about what it's causing in our culture, what it's causing in our society. I don't want to focus on the negative, though. Listen, you know what? We all know these obstacles exist. We know they're there. But you know what? We're not going to win battles by facing on the strategy of the enemy. We don't win battles by trying to learn the enemy's strategy. You win battles by knowing your strategy and executing it. We don't want to focus on the negative. We want to focus on who God is and what God's purpose is for and how he can move these obstacles out of the way. Listen, if we follow the purpose of God, there is no obstacle that can't become an opportunity. There is no problem that can't become a possibility. There is no issue that can't become a, a, a very possible opportunity for our lives if we'll just hear the word of the Lord. You know, God 
wants you to have a godly family. You can. Listen to me. You can have a godly family. You can have godly kids. You can have godly spouse. I didn't say perfect. I said godly. You, you can have a family that lives out the purpose and plan of God. You can do more than make it through. You can do more than survive. You can do more. You can thrive in the purpose of God. This doesn't mean that there won't be challenges. Now hear me. I don't want anybody to walk away from this series and go, ah, Pastor David said it's easy. Just go out there. And, no, no. Family is one of the hardest things you'll do. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is also one of the most rewarding things you'll ever do. I'm going to tell you right now, as a, as a parent who has been, Janae and I just had our anniversary. We've been married for 33 years. We've been together for 35 years and married for 33 years. We've raised two grown kids who are doing very well in life, and we're excited about it. And I'm just going to tell you, it never goes away. You love that family. You care about that family. It's always there, no matter what. And I, I'm just going to tell you, our family can be inspired. It doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. It doesn't mean that there aren't difficulties inside the family and outside the family that the family is going to have to face. But regardless of the challenges, listen, we can have a very important word, victory. And I think we're not talking enough about victory nowadays. We can have victory in our families. Our families can be inspired. We can live intentionally and with meaning. It can be fun and lighthearted to have a family and not be this heavy burden that we're walking around with. It can be the best community you have ever experienced in your life as you face challenges together and are in one another's corner. And when you feel like giving up, your spouse says, no, you're not going to give up. It's all right. We're going to make it. And when your kids feel like they're going off one way and going off another, you can Pray to God and God will help you bring those kids back around. Some of you kids that are believing for your parents to be saved and parents to come into the church. Listen, let me just tell you something. You just keep believing. You keep praying. You keep witnessing to them. You keep living your life for Christ in front of them. And I'm telling you, it can happen. You can have victory in this. I want you to realize that how much of the Bible talks about having victory in our life. Come on. We need to extend our faith again. Let's stop, let's stop being full of doubt and cynicism and all the trouble that's going on. Let's extend our faith again. Psalm chapter 60 verse 12 says this with God we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies any obstacle in your way as your family is with God that's the whole point though God's not just knocking down your enemies for no reason he's knocking down enemies because your family is in his family first Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57 says but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Listen, He always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says this, For everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. You, you, stop, you need to hear that right now. Everyone who's born again, everyone who's born of the Spirit of God, everyone overcomes the world. Everyone overcomes the world. Stop thinking that the world is going to overtake you, that the world is going to overwhelm you. You, you. you know, is this the end times? I hear so many people talking about that today. It's, it's all of our end times. We only live a certain amount of time. And if it is our end times, eschato eschatologically uh, uh, end times, and we're thinking that way, then we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should be filled with hope. We should be excited about that. Not overrun because if you're born of God, you will overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Even our faith.
Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. John chapter 16 verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You know, when you realize you can thrive, your house becomes more than a place to live. This message is entitled, and what I want to talk to you about is when your house becomes a home. When you realize that as a family, you can thrive, you can live the full life, you can live the best life that God has for you. And, and make no mistake about it, the Bible says in John 10, verse 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundant. That literally means superior in quality and superabundant in quantity. Listen, God wants to give you some great life, and he wants your family to have good life, and he wants your family to be blessed, and he wants your family to overcome problems and overcome issues and, and, and be in harmony and unity. And when you realize that, your house becomes more than a place to live. It becomes a home, a place to love. You know, my wife, she's got a gift. I'm just going to tell you, people come to our house and they just, they just, especially young people, every time they'll come to our house and they'll say, man, there's such peace in your house. And I, I, I wish I could take credit for that, but the truth is my wife just has this gift of hospitality. She has a gift of, you know, just making the home look beautiful. She has a gift of just the way she carries herself and the way that she kind of, you know, just is. I don't know, I don't know where it comes from. I guess it comes from God, that, that gift that just says, this is going to be an oasis. We're, our home is not going to be a place of, 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 you know, struggle and strife. And we, we got all that we need out in the world. But when we come to the home, when we come to the house, this ain't just a house. This ain't just a facility that we sleep and eat and, 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 and do our life. This is a home where love is abundant and compassion is abundant and grace is abundant. And, and it just, you know, when we really understand what God wants for our family and what God wants for us as individuals, then we can really experience that our house is not just a house. It's not just a place to live. It's not just a place where we stay. It's not just a place where, you know, we intersect between going to work and coming home or intersect between all the activities and running around we're doing and passing each other and, hey, do you have this? And where's my this? And where's my that? And how can I get it? It's just like, it's more than that. It's a place where literally counsel happens. It's a place where wisdom is disseminated. It's a place where peace is obtained. It's, it's, it, it's a place, when you understand what family can be, it's a place of literal love manifest. You know, your house becomes a home. I'm going to give you three ways of when your house becomes a home. Number one, your house becomes a home when you think thrive and not just survive. You, you know, I'm a firm believer that your mindset is everything. And the way you think has a tremendous amount of effect on your life. The way you behave. You know, the way we think, the way we speak affects the way we behave. It really does. And before you think, well, that's just some self-help stuff. No, it's very biblical. You know, the Bible tells us that when we're born again, our spirit comes alive. The Holy Spirit uh, 
kind of resurrects our spirit, brings it to life from a dormant place. And, but we still have a soul, and we still have a mind, a carnal nature that, that has to be renewed, has to be changed. And so, yes, we're saved, and, we're, and, and God has changed us, and he's put what I call just a desire to do right or a desire to be in relationship with God so that now we don't not care about that. We really want that, but we still have to overcome some of the old ways we think. This is why the Bible says if a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In other words, they're becoming new. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it speaks to this idea that we're, we're not to be conformed to the world, but that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So let's think about what it's saying. It's saying transformation comes as our mind is renewed. Now, just to break that word down a little bit, that word transformation in the Greek is a word metamorpho. And that word is where we get the word metamorphosis. In other words, a, a a change that happens over a period of time. It's the idea of the caterpillar to the butterfly or the tadpole to the frog. It's this, it's this metamorphosis that happens in our life. As we, and how does it happen? As our mind is renewed. Well, how do we renew our mind? Do we just start thinking better thoughts? Are we just more positive? No. The best way to renew your mind is right here, the Bible. Studying the Bible, learning what the Bible says. And what that does is it starts changing the way you think about certain things. Because the Bible isn't just an educational book or an informational book. It's an inspired book. Meaning, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Which means, the word means inspired, it means God breathed. In other words, yes, men were used to write this. But what they wrote was inspired by the very voice of God. So we need to understand, when you read these words, it's not just about getting an education in Christian things. It's about a transformation that happens spiritually to us when we study the Word. So if, for instance, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, parenting is so hard, there's no manual for it. Oh, contraire, there is a manual. It's right here. I don't know why we say that. Well, I don't know how to live my life. There's no manual for life. There is a manual for life. God created us, and then he gave us his word to help guide our life so that we could be that thriving person that he created us to be. That is the reality. Be that person that can face challenges. Be that person who can deal with sin. Be that person who can overcome the obstacles. That's what God has made us to be. And so our house becomes a home when you change some of the ways that you think. In other words, when you think thrive, that your family can thrive instead of just survive, then I think that's the beginning of making your house a home. You know, our mindset about family has a huge impact on family outcomes. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you some insight on how you should be thinking about family. Are you thinking that your kids, you're just not going to be able to train your kids right, that your kids are out of hand, there's no, they're just bad kids, or, or you just don't know how, if you're a good parent or not? Are you, are you thinking that you're just trying to survive getting them through school? Are you thinking you're just trying to survive adolescence and all the changes they're going through? Or are you thinking, no, God has given us uh, the ability to get into his word and find out how to raise this child. The Bible said, raise up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
In other words, the teaching and the training of God. That's how we do it. And, and so it's very important that we understand this. So let's just look at what the word says about us as believers to kind of start changing our thinking about are we supposed to be thriving or merely surviving? Romans chapter 8, verse 37, it says, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's more than a conqueror. It's not just being a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. Why? Because Jesus is the conqueror, and he has given you the impartation of his spirit that makes you more than a conqueror. In other words, he fought the battle, but you get to conquer. Isn't that amazing? I heard it told this way one time, and I've, you've probably heard me tell this story again or some preacher, because it's been around forever. But there's a championship boxer. He wins a championship, and they come up after the fight, and they, they take pictures, and they give him the big old check for the millions of dollars. He's a conqueror. He won. He defeated the enemy. He got the reward. He puts his clothes on. He gets his shower. He, he goes home. He walks into his wife, and he hands her the check. He's a conqueror. She's more than a conqueror see that's the way it works Jesus went through the battle but he's handed us the check think about that he's given you the opportunity to thrive in your life he's given you the opportunity to have vision to have purpose to have meaning for the potential that he created you with to be realized in your life and not just you but your whole entire family what what if we could really accomplish that well the Bible says we can Proverbs 18 verse 22 says you know let me let me just tell you this if you're around me very long, you'll find this out. Don't talk bad about your spouse around me. I ain't hearing it. I don't like it. I don't, I don't care if it's even in a joke or you're just joking and you're being fun. The guys get together on the golf course and we're like, you know, and we say something that's supposed to be a joke about our spouse, but it's, it's, it's something you really mean in your heart. I don't buy I don't do it. I don't do it. You know why? Because I love my wife. And I don't talk negative about my wife to her or to other people. Why? Because I value her. And, 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 and so I remember what the Bible says, Romans 8, 37. I'm not just surviving in this relationship. My wife is a good thing that God did for me. Knowing all these things, uh, excuse me, I'm reading the wrong scripture. He says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Hold up. The Bible just told me that if I found a good wife, that that is a blessing from God and his favor comes with it. Wait a minute. I, I, what am I doing talking negative about my wife? Why am I getting overly irritated with my wife? And we've all been there. I've done it too. We need to be very careful because we need to remember the blessing that God has given us. And we need to operate and function in that blessing. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 127, before you start railing on how bad your kids are and how horrible it is to have them and there's such a burden around your neck, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from Him. If we're going to thrive, if our house is going to become a home, then man, we here's what we do. We get inspired by the Word of God and understand the children that we have are a blessing from God. The wife, the spouse that we have, a blessing from God. So I don't have to worry about just surviving. I can thrive. Come on. When you begin to get this in your mind that you can thrive more than just survive, your house starts becoming a home. Not just a place to live, but a place of love. I had a friend, and it's really a sad story. He was constantly just always negative about his wife, always negative about his kids. The truth is he just hadn't grown up 
he was a man in his 30s, but he hadn't grown up and he really didn't want to have a wife and kids. And he was trying to, you know, rebel against that. And sadly, he doesn't have his wife or his kids anymore. And that's just the reality of it. When we live our lives that way, and it's just so sad that that family broke up because he just didn't appreciate the blessing. And, you know, we couldn't have kids when we first started in marriage and we struggled and you know, we thought it wasn't going to happen for us, but we prayed and we prayed and we got in faith and God came through for us. And so whenever I got irritated with my kids or I ever get irritated with my wife, I just remember God has given me a miracle in my life, a family. Do you know there are people in our world right now that give anything to have a family, even a bad family? Seriously. There are people in our world right now that would give anything you can find all the flaws in your family, all the reasons they're bad, everything. But there are people right now in the world that would give anything just to have a family, any kind of family. Side note, church, that's what we are for people, family. The second point is this. Is if you want your house to become a home, not just a place you live, but a place filled with love, you have to think, another mindset shift here, you have to think, forgive not relive forgive not relive i want to read you a passage of scripture genesis chapter 45 verse 4 through 7 the niv it says then joseph said to his brothers come close to me when they had done so he said i'm your brother joseph the one you sold into egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was so so it was uh, to save lives that god sent me ahead of you for two years now there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of Egypt. So if you know the story of Joseph and how all that happened and he was sold by his brothers, in that moment, he had an opportunity to, to make his house a home or for it just to be a house, just to be a place where we pass each other, a facility where we sleep and where we eat. A gathering place for all of our calendars so we can coordinate. Or a place filled with counsel and wisdom and love and passion and compassion. A place of encouragement. A place of brotherhood. A place of sisterhood. A place of family. He had this opportunity. He could bust it all down. Or he could build it all up. And it was all in his hands. And the thing he had to do was to think, forgive, not relive. He, he could have played over and over in his mind how bad it was and how evil and, and how ugly the betrayal was. They told his dad he was dead. They sold him. Human trafficking. They sold him into slavery. But God used that to save Israel. And I'm just going to tell you that if we'll change our thinking, if you want your home, your house to become a home, let's get inspired and let's start changing our thinking. Stop reliving all the idiosyncrasies of each other. Let's, let's, let's start assuming the best about one another. Come on, you can do this. You, you, your house can be a home. Your house can be a place of oasis where you come home at night and you're like, 
I just love being in this place. My family, I love my family. I love to be around. Oh, they're ornery. Sometimes they're hard to deal with, but I love them. You know, when you really start loving somebody, even their little idiosyncrasies will become cute to you. Things when you first got, listen, when I first got married to Janae, there were things I didn't like about her, and I wanted her to change them. But now when I see her do those same things, that they're just part of who she is, I get tickled about it. Why? Because my love Oh, uh, is overcast. It's 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 uh, it overwhelms those weird, stupid feelings about how I want things to be. Come on, Joseph had this decision to make: Am I going to forgive, or am I going to relive and allow hate to erupt in me? But he forgave, and you know what? Their house became a home. And the third thing is this: If you want your house to become a home, think I'm I'm glad I did it, not I wish I had done it. You know, Joshua is a great story. He really is. Because when he made this statement, this declaration, when he made this declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This was at the end of his leadership. He had gone through leading the people of Israel. He had gone through having to be 40 years in the wilderness with Moses and the rest of the children of Israel because they wouldn't believe. And when he finally got through at 80 years old, he said, give me my mountain. I'm still able to take my mountain that God promised me. And he took it and he lived that out. And he led the children of Israel, him and Caleb. And they led the children of Israel. They were saying, give give me the opportunity to take Canaan. Give me the opportunity to lead the children. I'm ready. I don't care if I'm aged. I don't care if it's too late that people say. I don't care if it's too hard. I'm telling you, God promised it and I've believed it for a long time and I believe it's going to happen. He's saying, let me lead and let Caleb have his mountain. And Caleb got his mountain and, and Joshua got to lead. And he led and he led and he led and they took Canaan and they set up the promised land and they experienced the promises of God. But at the end of his life, he saw the children of Israel and how fickle they were. And he saw them all, they given into the peer pressure of other nations. Other nations having other gods. And they started venturing out again and started thinking about this. And he just stood in the middle of them and said, you do what you want to do. I can't make you or force you to do anything. But you will pay the consequences for what you're going to do. But he said, he said, listen, here's what you have to do. Here's what I'm going to do. As for me and mine, we're going to submit. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live in victory. We're going to live in power. We're going to live in grace. We're going to live in the will and purpose and plan of God for our lives. And we know that God's power will enable us to do it. We know that we can thrive more than survive. And he thought, he didn't have to think, I wish I had, because he was thinking, I'm glad I did. I'm glad that I showed my kids that you can have an overcoming life. I'm glad I showed my kids that God's promises are true. And I believe that he who made those promises was faithful to perform those promises. I'm glad that I didn't just let things go. I'm glad that I didn't just walk out. I'm glad that I didn't just give up. I'm glad that I stood in my faith and I did what I was supposed to do. I'm glad I was involved with my kids. I'm glad I showed up when they needed me. I'm glad 
glad I heard them when they were speaking. I'm glad I took the time to listen. I'm glad that I knew what was going on in their life. I'm glad that I stood for faith. I'm glad when other people were not so dedicated, I kept my dedication. When other people put pressure on to just do whatever, I kept the faith. I'm glad because I don't have to now at the end of my life when everybody else is experiencing these things, I don't have to say I wish I had because I'm able to say I'm glad I did. If you want, if you want your home, your house to become a home, not just a place to live, but a place with an abundance of love, then don't have regrets. I'm not saying you're not going to make mistakes. I'm not saying you're not going to get it wrong. But just make the decision that I'm going to think this way. I'm glad I did, not I wish I had. I'm going to say something that is going to be a little, it's going to challenge us a little bit. It's the last thing I'm going to say about this point. I know a lot of parents right now that are not present with their kids. I've had to challenge myself with this. Because they're busy working, they're busy looking at their phone, they're busy running around doing this and that, thinking they're doing it for their family, but they're not hearing their children. They're not present in the moment. I'm guilty, are you? And at some day, at some point, if that doesn't stop, we're going to look up. We're going to look up. And we're going to say, I wish I had. So I'm challenging you. Let's not ever say that. Let's, let's stop right now. Let's think about our lives. And I'm just going to say it this way. This may seem a little self-indulgent, but I'm, I'm going to say it this way. Come to the conference. Come to the Summit Family Conference. Sign up. Register today. Because we're going to talk practically about how to re-engage with your family. What's been deconstructed, we're going to talk about how to reconstruct it. We're going to talk about practical ways for you to re-engage your family, no matter how old they are, no matter what the relationship is with your spouse, no matter what's going on, no matter how blended, no matter how different. I'm telling you, listen. We're going to talk about practical things that align you up with the Word of God and will bring that place of thriving. And you're, listen, your house will no longer just be a center for coordination. Your house will no longer be a meeting room for calendars. But your house will be a place filled with present people who are loving each other and caring for each other and continuing to generationally disseminate the word and promises of a living God. Amen. And, and the way you can really take that next step is to be a part of the conference. Because I'm telling you, it, it, I believe with all my heart it has the ability to be life-changing for many people. Not because we're so smart, but because we believe God has called us to do it and we believe God wants us to do it. So God wants your family to thrive. He, he wants your house to be more than a facility where you sleep and eat. He wants it to be a home where your heart is melded together with your family to become everything that He put you together for. And it requires us to think thriving, not, not surviving. It, it requires us to think forgive and not relive. It requires us 
to think, I'm glad I did it, not I wish I had. As for me, and my clan, and my family, and with all our <laughs> failures, and all of our foibles, and all of our victories and successes, we've made a decision. We've made our mind up. We're going to serve the Lord. Join us.